Welcome to Business Leader Breakthroughs, where we help unlock the potential in you, your teams, and your business. I'm your host, Ryan Castle, along with Dr. Mike Ashby. We share insights, experiences, and stories on achieving breakthrough success in business and life. To learn more, click the link in the episode show notes or go to thebreakthrough.co. Now let the breakthroughs begin. Mike, let's talk about failure. Let's. I love failure. <laughs> it's got oh. such negative connotations, the word failure. Yeah, it's because it sucks. It does, but there's, these are upside to failure, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there is. There is. We, and we talk about embracing failure, and we talk about, uh, well, we talk about failing to learn, and it sometimes feels as though we set about to fail in order to learn. That's how yeah. it feels. Like, you know, it's how I cross my arms thing. <laughs> yeah. Uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. I was reminded uh, yesterday I was running a, a collab group with uh, some business leaders and one of the owners here, shout out to Matt Duda from Eboss, he said, hey Ryan, how did that product development go uh, last year? And I was like, I oh, actually, Matt, that was two years ago. Time flies in lockdown maybe. Mm. But the Im- immediate thing that came to mind was, oh, we did an amazing job of getting that product to market. Sure We'd been overseas we'd attended a conference oh, yeah. and i think the <laughs> there was some interesting interesting aspects to it and from a cultural perspective uh and experience but what it did give us was a really fantastic clear headspace for you and i particularly to other than the, the, <laughs> other than the night uh, in the bar yeah, yeah. other than the night in the bar and the day after that was not a clear head no, 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 but the contribution to the San Francisco uh, singing community was, was epic. Okay, it was a contribution, it was a contribution. <laughs> Most of the other days we did have clear heads. Yes, we did. And there were, it was amazing for us to be away from the daily operations of the business to actually think about what we were looking mm. to achieve. And we walked away from that with a 90-day plan to build a new product. Yeah, we did the work around what that plan looked like in detail. It was the, uh, what we now call our Ginger Crunch session, mm-hmm. which was um, came about because we would set aside a couple of hours. One of the learnings, I guess, was the value of just spending a couple of hours really drilling into something to get it done. And one of the kind of rituals we developed uh, was that we would have a contest about whose Ginger Crunch was better. And um, I believe that it is unanimous, isn't it, that Francesca's Ginger Crunch is... Correct. The trophy goes to... El Primo. So that was actually one of the learnings from all of that piece was the value... We've got a session tomorrow, which is just kind of diving deep into it. So yeah, we did the plan. And then we came back and uh, talked to our team about what we were looking to achieve. And wow, did they get in behind the plan. Yep. And we reprioritized some things that we already had on the go because it wasn't like people were sitting around with nothing to do. And we got really clear around what that was. And it really touched every aspect of our business from mm. uh, product creation to content, mm. the technology, needs, technology, platforms, plat- new platforms. Yep, new mm. platforms, marketing, sales, kind of the whole, whole suite. Mm. And to see us actually deliver on that, we were doing uh, milestones in our 90-day mm. plan. We were mm. doing weekly scrums. Mm. And we absolutely got it to market in the, in the 90 days. We did. And on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, how would we rate the financial success of that product? Do we have to use a whole number? <laughs> it has to be a whole number. <laughs> oh, oh, and then it would be 1. <laughs> yeah, it was a 1. It was a 1. And that was what I was discussing with the group yesterday. And look, from a pure product perspective, 
it was a flaming failure. Yes. It's epic. And I am so stoked that we did it. Yeah. Why are you so happy with that? <laughs> we just, we learnt so much. Yeah. And I, I don't know, it's easy to uh, try and levels. go, oh, let, let's, we'll, we'll explain that failure away with our learnings. Yeah. Actually, we would not be the company we are today or with the products we are today if we hadn't been through that uh, build on that product. Yeah. We learned a lot about fast, effective digital content production. Yep. We learned that online learning only is not the answer. Yep. It's got to be blended. You've yep. got to have, yes, you can provide uh, content around key messages and, and yep. uh, things to be learnt, but actually embedding that learning has to have lots of other things around it, which we've now built into our you know, follow-on products, yep. which has been, been amazing. I think it also helped us uh, start thinking about our target market. Yep. Yeah, oh, had, totally. Yeah. Had, the kind of the aspirations we had for that product were, was a very online uh, yeah. market, marketing driven mm. uh, thing. And we've gone, that's just not who we are. You no. know, we're about connecting directly uh, with people via our products and via our partners. Yeah. And it helped us start shaping where we could deliver value in the areas that we were, we were good at. And the recognition, you know, the blended piece, the online, offline, the kind of, um, that also applied to the marketing piece was that this was not something this is not a thing that people buy online necessarily. Not at not at that kind of price point anyway. Mm. You know, you might do a Udemy or something like that, but that's a different part of the market, and we we don't want to be in that market. Yeah. So I was reflecting back to to Matt and the other leaders that I was talking to, going, uh, "Yeah, absolutely, it was a failure, but what we learned from it wouldn't we wouldn't be the company we are mm. today without it. It was mm. Uh, mm. It was really valuable." And I guess the question for our, our listeners and mm. viewers is, what have you failed at recently? Because if you haven't failed, yeah. what is what does that mean of your willingness to try things, do things differently, give it a give it a whirl? Mm. Because if you're always doing what you've always done, always get what you've always got. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Uh, kind and of it's interestingly, when you think about it in that timeline, it was after we'd launched that that we got underway with them. Mm-hmm. which has been our most successful product and program ever and is now actually a complete family and a, and a whole different sort of scope because we've had other failures which we've been able to learn from and develop from. You know, you don't learn a lot from success necessarily. It's quite hard to go, well, what are we really good at? Well, we're pretty much good at everything, really, because you know, we're nailing it. What, what, do you, what can you tell about that? You know, how do you improve that? Because that's another case of... If we're good at it and we get these results, then we keep doing it and we'll always get those results. Except that we don't. You know, it's the, it's the old saying, kind of definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different outcome. Um, actually, in business, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expect the same outcome. Mm-hmm. Because the market shifts, the competitors shift, the industry shifts. Things are changing all the time. So, you know, in some ways, I, I often think that the biggest trap that we suffer from is success. Absolutely, because I think if that product we were talking about had been mildly successful, mm-hmm. we would have kept chasing mm-hmm. it and kept chasing it and kept mm-hmm. chasing it going, oh no, look, it's going okay, we're going It was actually great that it was just a complete disaster because yeah. it was like, well, that doesn't work, yeah. so we need to think about something, yeah. something else. And yeah. it was the, the evolution of much better things. You know, an epic failure, if you're going to fail, fail big. Mm-hmm. Right, just fail and get get as close to zero as possible, because anything much north of that creates ambiguity, and you just don't know. Yeah. So you, it's um, it's a tricky one. It's kind of uh, 
you know, another one of my favorite sayings, a thicker whip won't make a dead horse go faster. And, you know, if you're just almost there and just bit, beat it a bit harder, mm-hmm. yeah. Little framework that I'll credit to the chairman of our board, Dan Mickeljohn, mm-hmm. who I'm sure it's not his original work, but something that he references quite often is when if you're in that zone of going, oh, we've kind of got this product or this customer segment or this supply group that we're we're just not quite sure whether it's it's going mm-hmm. it's turning into the dead horse or not. Mm-hmm. He uses that nice quadrant framework yeah. of going, what are you going to delete? Yeah. What are you going to develop? What are you going to grow? And what are you going to milk? Yeah. Uh, I've used that in all sorts of things. We've been looking at our product suites, when we've been looking at um, composition of our team, when we've been looking at products, customers, suppliers, you know, the whole thing. It's a great way to think about it. It's a great way to to, uh, dive in and kind of go, where would we continue to put effort? What are we going to let go of? Yep. Let's uh, talk further about one of our experiences that we had around a customer that we were very excited, or a prospect I should say, a prospect that we were very excited about. For those of you that are not on video, Mike is currently deep breathing just to ease his anxiety around this uh, experience. It was a prospect that we felt could be game changing for our organisation, had the potential to uh, probably do something like double turnover, so it (laughs) it was significant. And again, the very best thing that could have happened to us is that we didn't land. Yeah, actually it is. <laughs> and it we're was. again not just excusing away no, the, no. the failure to convert. Uh, look, it probably would have killed us. Um, in retrospect, it probably would have killed us and sent us crazy in the, in the process. Um, and that's not just kind of post-fact rationalisation it's called. That's a realisation. Holy shit, what were we thinking? Which is good. You know, we actually went up, and as somebody said to me, you know, you have kind of, you've shifted up to another to another level. You've, you've kind of lifted the whole thinking. And even though that thinking wouldn't have been enough to, to actually deliver on what we promised, it opened up our thinking way wide. And I think some of the stuff that we learned was, in retrospect, we were too constrained by our own version of how our program had to work. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the last day, the last day, the last minute of the last day before the presentation was kind of, oh, why are we just sort of sticking to this bit? We've got all these other content and all these other possibilities. But we didn't wrap our heads around that fast enough. So we were not flexible enough. We were not tuned in to the customer's real needs. Neither were they, to be fair, but we should have known better what they were after and what we needed to be about. And there's some of that stuff that you can't do until you've done it once and and got it wrong. So, you know, straight after that, when I kind of reflected about on the feedback that we got, which was very helpful and you know very clear and direct, although we're pretty sure there were six other reasons why we didn't. But anyway, let's not go there. I sent out an, an email to to a bunch of people with whom we had had discussions that hadn't kind of moved it forward, and I, I just went out and said. Look, you know, we've just been reflecting. I used COVID as a pretext. Uh, the world has changed, and here's how we're thinking about change. You know, we're going to be, we've got a, an offering which is more flexible, better priced, da 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 da, you know, two or three things. Um, and from those four emails, two people came back and said, let's talk. And one of those conversations has continued since then. Um, and the thinking is now evolving, not just from being too rigid here, but to a whole bunch of possibilities. We're now talking, you know, we've we've been talking about a product, a 12-month product. We're now talking about a multi-year 
development, leadership development platform for want of a word, which is this is one product, it's the entry product, and then it goes off into a whole range of either of other learning paths that people can be flexible about, that we work with and we understand what we have to do to support you know, suddenly the world has opened up and it came off, really came off that failure. We wouldn't be doing that. We would just be putting people through that product, mm -hmm. you know, as many as we could and watching the revenue kind of decline. Instead, we've got an opportunity to go back to something that we've traditionally done very well, which is had very long-term client relationships, which where we've evolved and they've stayed with us through that evolution, five, 10, 15 years, some of them. So it's, you know, we wouldn't be there. I often reflect on that. It's not a, a rationalization. Glad we didn't win it, actually. And boy, have we learned some stuff. And we've seen it uh, shape so many different aspects of mm. our business. Our, our product design, mm. our platform design, yep. our customer experience design, how, how are we actually going to deliver this, not just as a product, but mm. as an experience to people. It's shaping our marketing, it's shaping mm. our sales conversations. You know, it's, it's touched everything. And the bit that I reflect on is, uh, you know, pat on the back for us, and I think you particularly, because you're very good at this kind of reflector review and seeing where After markets failure. are going. Uh, no, you're actually you're, you're actually pretty good at it. Uh, not pretty good. You're very good at it in general. But you, Thank you. it's very easy. You know, all organisations go through uh, exactly what we have. Yeah. Where they thought they were going to land the big sale yeah. and it didn't happen. Yeah. And it's really easy to default to the what a bunch of they mm. don't know. If only they knew better. You know, yeah. and just kind of blame it all on yeah. the, the outcome. Yep. Zero learning zero reshaping and you're straight back into market trying yeah. to resell the thing that someone just said no to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you're, or you're moderately successful. Actually, one of the great examples of this, how many failures do you have to have? Well, as many as it takes to be successful. You know, the All Blacks, when Graham Henry took over from in 2003, they'd just been kicked out of the World Cup. They'd underperformed. The culture was pretty, was pretty rancid. There was a lot of... Uh, poor leadership inside the group. It had been really kind of, you know, uh, run into the ground pretty much, the, the All Blacks brand. And they had a massive leadership session. Graham Henry, Brian Lahore, Richie McCaw was part of it. Uh, Tana Rumano, obviously, Ruben Thorne, you know, they were all the senior people and they brought in others from outside. I can't remember, Wayne Smith was there, uh, of course. Um, and they had a big, big conversation about what the All Blacks had to be. And Brian Lahore came up with the, the kind of the founding principle, which was better people make better All Blacks. And that, that set them on a strategy that they continued with increasing success. So successful that they hit 2007 thinking they were going to win. And we all know what happened. So they had to pick themselves up from an even more epic failure. You know, they'd been so good. And then this huge, epic failure. But that was, you know, Graham Henry and the team were, you know, well, they were, oh, oh Steve Hansen was there as well. <laughs> did I leave him out? Did I? Oh, shit. Sorry, Steve. Sorry, Steve. Um, I'm sure he doesn't mind being left out of the failure. You probably, no, if you right, just right, talk about his wins yeah, in 2011 and And 15, then Hansen was heavy. really the architect in the 2011 win, I quickly point out. So, you know, they kind of had to rebuild again and they'll say, they'll all say that was the second time we had to kind of learn from a, a really epic failure. I, I remember I was, in, uh, I was in San Francisco that time too, 2007, and I was, and I, uh, 
texted my brother and said, how do we get on it? He said, don't come home. And I was on the flight from San Francisco to back, back home. And I, no, no, mm. I'll, I'll get there and it'll be a joke. It'll be, we were, it, was, it was stunning. But that was the genesis of that, that team that not, won not only one World Cup, actually won two. So created a platform for that long term. And if uh, Eddie Jones hadn't kind of really stuck something in the Englishman's porridge, you know, who knows? But that was, it was those two failures that taught them the most. Yeah. Which does lead us to a whole other topic, which we won't cover today, around resilience yeah. Uh, yeah. and yeah. the willingness. And I think every insight you get from a successful person, a successful organisation, uh, you know, they've had to deal with failure at some yeah. point. They've had to be resilient, get back up and, and go again. Yeah. And resilience is a key ingredient and the ability to learn from that. What what didn't go right? What would we keep? What would we ditch? Mm. What would we mm. would do more of? What new things do we need to, to add mm. in? Mm. So I think in your organisations, if you can have a culture of uh, acceptance of failure, mm. a willingness Embracing. to fail, willingness to fail, willingness. Yep. but most importantly, debriefing after you know, your failure and going, what's our learning? How do we avoid it in the future? And how do we do do better? Yeah. It's such a powerful thing yeah. for us as individuals, for us as leaders, mm. for our teams, and fundamentally for our mm. organisations as yeah. well. And, and look, the failure to le- the only failure is the failure to learn, and every failure has in it the seeds of learning if we're prepared to look past the, the kind of the wounded pride, because that's often what it's about, the, the bruised ego and the willingness to look in the mirror and say, yeah, we didn't do that properly, we didn't do that right. That's what enables us and frees us up to be more successful. But we, you know, personally and as an organisation and as a, as a business partnership, we totally ascribe to that. In every failure, there is something to learn. What do we learn? What do we learn? And that's what a learning organisation looks like. Not learning, learning of some from successes, because we have. Yeah. Oh know? yeah, we yeah. have, we have. <laughs> I, I, I laugh because uh, there are moments at the breakthrough where we go, we're sick of learning. Yeah. We're, we've had enough learnings, we don't want to, we just like the successes, thanks. I'm sick of personal uh, growth. Sick of personal yeah. growth and learning. Yeah. Uh, but look, it, it goes with the territory of what you do, and I think it's, as an organisation, we, we reflect on those failures yeah. well, and we do learn from them. Yeah. And it's, it's helped us shape our organisation to what it is today and the experiences that yeah. our customers and the results we're delivering for them, yeah. totally uh, attributed to a lot of that learning that we've yeah. done. Uh, look, we're in the midst of, and I know we've often been poised, uh, this one feels different, this one, <laughs> I swear it feels different. Um, but we do, you know, we've got some really wonderful opportunities right in front of us at the moment, and they wouldn't have happened if our earlier strategies had been as successful as we hoped. Instead, they were moderately successful, but that's not enough. You know, you've actually, I guess that's the other thing. What do you call a failure? Is it the zero, the zero sales or close to zero? Or is failure, you know, you think about our, our distribution strategy, for example. Was it, a, it's, it's not been the kind of glowing success that we wanted. And you could just say, oh, that's good enough. Actually, no, be tougher than that and say, no, that's failed. If it hasn't delivered at that level, it's a failure. And that then leaves us willing and open to other channels. And, you know, that's where we are now. Mm. More to come. More to come. Watch this space. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, you'd probably have so many thoughts we could go for uh, go for hours. But let's wrap that episode here. So our call out to you today is reflect in uh, personally with your teams and with your organisation. When was the last time that you failed? Yeah. Uh, what was the learning? Did you actually take the time to reflect, or did you just excuse and blame it away on on something else? Yeah. Um, keep being resilient, people. Great questions. Great. Great advice. Thanks, Steve. See you on the next one. Cheers, Ryan. Bye. See you, everybody.